Hi listeners, it's Carter, here to tell you about an incredible event celebrating the launch of ParCast's first book, Cults. On July 13th, crime junkies Ashley Flowers and ParCast founder Max Cutler are coming together for a night of true crime to remember. And you can be part of it virtually on Spotify Live or in person. The evening will take place in Los Angeles and feature discussions about the book, a live Q&A, and so much more. All ticket sales up to $125,000 will be matched by Max Cutler and donated to Season of Justice, a nonprofit founded by Ashley Flowers that provides financial resources to help solve cold cases and support families impacted by unsolved violent crimes. It's a wonderful cause and an evening perfect for any true crime fan. But time is running out. Register for your spot today at parcast.com slash cults. All attendees will receive a special signed copy of Parcast's new book, Cults. So don't wait. Sign up at parcast.com slash cults. Erville Le Baron was the leader of a polygamist sect and has been compared to Charles Manson. Erville claimed that he was a prophet and told his followers that anyone who crossed him or strayed from his church should be sacrificed. His name has been connected to at least 25 deaths, including members of his own family. Today, we're going to get into Erville Le Baron, his religious sect, and how even after his death in 1981, his name continued to be linked to murders. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sinister Society's A Spotify Original from Parkcast. I'm Hannah Maguire. And I'm Saruti Bala. Every week, we're going to cover your favorite cults, faith followers, and secret societies. We'll look at how some of the biggest secretive societies and cults have made their fortunes. And how they've also managed to run in plain sight and permeate into your everyday life. Today, we are going to tell you about Erville LeBaron and the LeBaron family. We'll get into why the family broke away from the Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints in 1924 to start their own community in Mexico. We'll also get into why Erville decided to leave his family's community to start his own sect, and what made him decide that people who opposed his views should be killed. I think the first thing that we need to address... Is his name? Is his name is just like a lazy writer who's on strike at I Disney. Know, I know. It's like fucking Erville LeBaron, fucking whatever, I, I don't care. I was going to say... Pay it, me. It sounds like the latest supervillain in the new blockbuster Marvel hit yeah. superhero movie, Erville LeBaron. But there was a writer's strike, so yes. they had to get someone in from down the road yeah. who's never written anything And they were before. just like, I don't know, what do you want from me? He's called Erville LeBaron. <laughs> and no prizes for guessing if he's a goodie or a baddie. Yeah, and if you disagree with him, he's going to kill you. What's his nemesis called? What's the good guy called uh, if he's called Erville LeBaron? Uh, he's called Jesus Christ Superstar. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. 
So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. Before we get into supervillain Ervil LeBaron and his family, we have to do my favorite thing, which is a very brief history, which on our other show, Red Handed, we call a Red Handed Rundown. We're going to do a Red Handed Rundown of the history of not only the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but also why some people left and ended up in Mexico. Because it's probably better. Well, I'd rather I mean, be in Mexico than be in the Church of Latter-day Saints. Not with these guys. Uh, I think They're not there for good times. No, I think if uh, you and me went, a bit, mm. bit better. But these guys, you don't want to be stuck anywhere. I see. Them. So they're not there for tequilas and Caesar salads. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which is formerly known as the Mormon Church, was founded by none other than Joseph Smith way, way back in 1830. In in the ancient times (laughs) in New Jersey. In the holy biblical times of 1830. Yes, because Mm. ancient Jews built boats and sailed to America. Yes, they were here first. So Smith made polygamy a doctrinal mandate. He said that it was God's intention and it was needed to fulfill the Bible's word. To quote multiply and replenish the earth. And Smith also said that if men didn't comply with his polygamy doctrine, they wouldn't reach the, quote, fullness of exaltation in the afterlife. Smith himself is estimated to really have gone for his new doctrine because he had up to 40 wives. Said it before on Red Handed, I'll say it again, Hannah, not in this economy. Not with the cost of living right now. Can you imagine having 40 wives and like 400 children? No. No. So the United States officially made polygamy illegal in 1862. So that's a bit of a bummer for big old Joseph Smith. It's also a bit late. Yeah, I know. 1862. But maybe it was because it wasn't really a problem before because people were like, not in this economy. Mm. And then Joseph Smith comes along and then he marries 40 wives and then the US government's like, maybe we should outlaw this. So they do. And the government said that they would confiscate the property of the church if they didn't stop having multiple marriages. In 1875, the church's then president, Brigham Young, sent followers to Mexico to look for places to settle. And then by 1890... 
the church finally gave in to the government and outlawed plural marriages. The church's decision to crack down on polygamy resulted in thousands moving to Mexico, where some bought land and created fundamentalist offshoot settlements where polygamy could still be practiced. Yeah, I don't want to go to Mexico with these people. <laughs> I told you. I think my worst nightmare would be you'd be hanging out with these people, doing some sort of street preachering on the streets of Cancun, while oh. someone is being violently sick next to me yeah. and then goes and gets a KFC. And the clubs are open till like seven in the morning. Oh, uh, yeah, that is pretty specifically your nightmare. And I'm not allowed to have any SPF. <laughs> or spreadsheets. <laughs> spreadsheets have been wiped from the face of the planet. <laughs> oh, my God. This is horrifying. <laughs> And then someone makes you do the YMCA in the sea. Oh, no. <laughs> Stop it, Anna. <laughs> Sorry, for context, we once went on holiday to Cuba and ended up in this very odd holiday resort that was filled with German people doing the YMCA in the sea. Germans love a bit of aqua aerobics while they're on holiday. Yeah, it was, And they um, love being naked. Yes. They love nudist beaches and water aerobics. <laughs> While not all Latter-day Saints who went down to Mexico were polygamists, most of them were, many of them even, and it should be noted that these fundamentalists were no longer recognised by the main church. Some relatives of these initial settlers still run farmland in Mexico, although they have long since shared the practice of polygamy. And one of the many fundamentalists who moved to Mexico was Alma LeBaron. He grew up going back and forth between the US and Mexico, but moved his family south of the border permanently in 1924, which led to his excommunication from the church. He had 11 children who were raised amidst Alma's obsession with heavenly visions. According to one of Alma's granddaughters, Ruth Warnier, Alma wanted to create a safe place where God's chosen people could practice polygamy. So in 1944, he founded a community which he called Colonia La Baron. Jesus Christ. I know, I know. And this Colonia La Baron was based in northern Mexico. Two of Alma's sons, Joel and Erville La Baron, and uh, I really feel like Joel won the naming stakes in that particular household, quite possibly. <laughs> Do you know why I've always wanted a boyfriend called Joel? Is it so you can call him Sausage Joel? Sausage Joel, <laughs> yes, exactly. I think Sausage Joel is the most hilarious name in the world. I think you should get a dog and call him Sausage... Sausage Joel. I get a sausage dog and call him Sausage Joel. Sausage Joel, yeah. That's not, you know, my best idea. It's not like my hottest idea, but I think it's a good one. It's better than naming your son Erville LeParrot. There you go. And thank you for bringing me right back onto topic, Hannah. So Joel and Erville LeBaron were actually excommunicated from the Latter-day Saints in 1944 for, you guessed it, practicing and preaching polygamy, and for the rather vague term, disloyalty. Hmm. Yeah, question mark. Question marks indeed. Alma, their dad, died in 1951. But before his death, he anointed his son Joel, the new leader of the community. Once again, our mate, Erville, yeah. gets looked over. He does. And Sausage Joel soon founded his own polygamist group, in which both he and Erville had leadership roles. So he's like, okay, all right, I'm really hoping you're not going to dissent against me. Have a little bit of power. And this offshoot polygamist group was called, if you thought the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints was difficult to say, this one was called the Church of the Firstborn of the Fullness of Time. What? No idea, couldn't tell you. 
could I mean, not tell you. The fact that he squeezes the word firstborn in there, is that a little dig? Oh, it might be, you know. At uh, his little brother, Erville. And he's like, well, I know I said you could be kind of like a leader in this, but it's all about me. <laughs> and the headquarters of this very lengthily named church was, of course, at Colonial Le Baron and an offshoot of Alma's group. The brothers would go on recruitment trips to bring in more people to their Colonial Le Baron community. They traveled to Utah, Arizona, and all around Mexico, where they preached and collected followers. They also handed out flyers that challenged the Latter-day Saints. In 1963, Joel established another polygamous settlement in the Mexican coastal village of Los Molinos. Do you know what Molinos means? No. You could probably guess. It's quite similar to the English word. Moles? <laughs> Moles, yes. The village of the Moles. No, it's Mills. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. That was close. Yeah, you were close. I told you. <laughs> And Los Molinos is about 170 miles south of San Diego, just to put it into your minds geographically, contextually. And this polygamous settlement set up by Joel had about 200 followers, most of whom had also been excommunicated from the church. Smart. He's like picking up all the excommunicated and being like, let's move to Mexico. I'll let you marry whoever you want. Except my wives. Yeah. Not Hands them. off. But Joel and Irville started to have differing visions for the settlement. Uh-oh. I know, danger. According to Time magazine, Erwell wanted to turn it into a beach resort, while Joel wanted to create a self-sustaining community. Oh, boo, Joel, you're so boring. Let's have a beach resort. What kind of community would you start in Los Molinos, Mexico? Los Molinos, Mexico. Well, firstly, obviously, YMCA every morning in the sea. (laughs) Like, mandatory Mm -hmm. on pain of death. And then... Everyone can do it, whatever they want, mm. unless I disagree with them. And, and then I'll call them a Nazi. <laughs> I love it. I'm in on that idea. I think the only thing I really is an absolute deal breaker for me uh-huh. is that we call it Rancho Relaxo. <laughs> <laughs> so aside from all of the difference between the beach resort and the self-sustaining community, the brothers also didn't see eye to eye on their teachings. Irville taught that God's broken laws should be punished by death. He also justified this by citing a widely disputed and alleged early church doctrine called blood atonement. Oh no, they really don't like it when you talk about that one. Oh no, he's going to do it. Uh-oh. He's going to do it. So blood atonement refers to the shedding of blood as a sacrifice for sins. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has publicly denied it's an official doctrine, stating that it derives from rhetorical and emotional sermons of early leaders. The two brothers worked closely for more than 15 years, but when Irville began taking money from their community, their relationship soured. Sausage Joel just wants to self-sustain. He does, he does. But that's why he's not the baddie. Exactly. Supervillain Irville was using community money to buy fancy cars and clothes. He didn't appear to spend the stolen money on his 13 wives or children who lived in abject poverty. So, because of his mistreatment of the wives and the flashing of the cash, Irville was kicked out of Sausage Joel's sect in 1970 and moved to San Diego. And there he established a new sect which he called the Church of the Lamb of God. I'll give it to him, that's a better name than the firstborn one. Yes, yes, it is. Just as ambiguous, but yes, easier to say and easier to remember. I can't even remember what the other one was. The Church of the Firstborn and the Fullness, I don't know, Fullness (laughs) of Time. (laughs) 
Coming up, we'll get into how Erville LeBaron got likened to none other than Charles Manson. Hi, listeners. It's Carter with some truly exciting news. To commemorate the launch of Colts, ParCast's first book, Crime Junkies Ashley Flowers and ParCast founder Max Cutler are coming together on July 13th for an in-person and virtual experience you do not want to miss. The evening will take place in Los Angeles and feature a live Q&A about the book, an exclusive meet and greet, and a discussion on all things true crime. All ticket sales up to $125,000 will be matched by Max Cutler and donated to Season of Justice, a nonprofit founded by Ashley that provides funding to law enforcement agencies and families to help solve cold cases. It's an amazing organization near and dear to both Ashley and Max, and another great reason to enjoy this wonderful night. And it's just days away, so visit parcast.com slash cults to register today. You can also catch the event virtually on Spotify Live if you are unable to join us in person. All attendees will get a signed copy of the book and a night they'll never forget. July 13th is fast approaching, so be sure to join Ashley Flowers and Max Cutler for a very special evening celebrating the release of ParCast's new book, Cults, all for an incredible cause. Register today at ParCast.com slash cults. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So let's get into Erville LeBaron's new church the Church of the Lamb of God. So when he set up the Church of the Lamb of God, part of his teachings included his claim that he could execute anyone who refused to accept him as God's representative. That's very convenient, isn't it? And very dangerous considering he's back on US soil. Mm, That too. According to the BBC, Erville's followers believed, quote, he was the one mighty and strong prophet sent to earth to purify the Mormon faith. So I guess they're saying Joseph Smith, yeah, mm-hmm. prophet, 100%. Mm-hmm. Brigham Young, yeah, prophet. And now we've got supervillain Erville as the third yeah. and final. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that maybe they felt, when they're talking about purifying the faith, Yeah, it feels like maybe they feel that the church leaders have given in to the US government's demands and yeah. they're towing the line too much. They've, they've disregarded polygamy, which was a founding belief, a founding doctrine of the religion. And now here's Erville bringing it all back. Back to basics. Exactly. They've always called him back to basics, Erville. Since he was a boy. Since he was a small child. And this, when you eventually watch the Marvel movie starring Erville, this is just the prequel. This is his, his origin stories right here. As we mentioned a moment ago, Erville claimed that he was God's true prophet and that it was now his task to get rid of all the other so-called prophets in the world. 
The first prophet on his hit list was his own brother, Joel. <gasps> Didn't Knew see it. that one coming. Knew it. Irville published booklets in which he accused Joel of, quote, capital crimes and also called for him to be killed. And in 1972, two of Irville's followers shot and killed Joel. A man whose greatest crime was just being a sausage. Absolutely. A polygamous sausage. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he had two crimes. <laughs> Irville was convicted of plotting to kill Joel, but he appealed his conviction and managed to get it overturned. But he did serve about a year in jail before the appeal was decided. Time magazine reported that Irville claimed credit for his brother's death. One of Irville's followers was eventually extradited from the US to Mexico for the killing of Joel. But because people were reluctant to testify against him, he never actually stood trial. Saruti. Yes, Hannah. Would you like to know how Mexican authorities described Irville LeBaron on a wanted poster in 1972? I absolutely would, because right now I don't have an image in my mind of what Irville LeBaron looked like. Well, kind of babe, to be oh, honest. All right. So this is according to the Washington Post. This wanted poster read, a green-eyed, brown-haired... <laughs> villain. <laughs> villain. <laughs> sausage. It's the brother of a sausage. Weighing 224 pounds. I have no idea what that means. I'm about 110, so double me. Okay, and he's six foot four. Yeah. All right. And he sometimes used the alias Morel McDonald. That's a great name. And he was also considered to be armed and dangerous. Excellent. I'll take a six foot four green eye. I wouldn't say no. Morel. Armed Morel. Armed Morel. You could be one of his wives. <laughs> I don't share. During Erville's short stint serving time, he began writing a series of religious works and pamphlets in which he justified why he had the authority to execute anyone who didn't accept his authority as God's representative on earth. So with one brother dead, Erville turned his attention to another brother, Verlin. Verlin had taken over Joel's sect after his death, and Verlin also helped establish the Los Molinos colony that both Joel and Erville had fought over. I think you mean Rancho Relaxo. Rancho Relaxo. How dare you, Verlin? It has a name. So on the 26th of December, 1974, attackers threw firebombs at homes in Los Molinos. They also shot at residents who were trying to escape the fires. 13 people were wounded in the attack and two were killed. The attacker's main target was Verlin LeBaron, who happened to be out of town at the time of the hit. Erville was put on trial for the attack, but the judge dismissed the case for lack of evidence. And if you think this particular story of ours can't get any more crazy, you are incorrect. It absolutely does. When witnesses to the attack were outside the courthouse, they were approached by a man with a gun. As he went to fire the gun, he tripped up and the shot went into the ground. So embarrassing. Oh, so embarrassing. That's the climactic scene of the prequel. Oh, but it's a, there's more. The attacker tried a second attempt at shooting the witnesses, but failed and ended up running into a telephone pole. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then he was caught by police, presumably a bit dazed from having run straight into a <laughs> telephone pole. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm embarrassed. Even though Erville wasn't convicted for the attacks on the Los Molinas community, he did spend 10 months in jail while awaiting trial. And it was during this time in jail 
that the U.S. Secret Service started to take an interest in Irville. Why, you might be wondering? Well, it's because a group who called themselves Society of American Patriots, uh-oh, there's a dog whistle if I've heard it, sent letters to the evangelist Billy Graham and then presidential candidate Jimmy Carter. And these letters threatened the pair of them with death if they didn't help free Irville. The Secret Service traced the letters back to two of Irville's wives. Oh, dear. I mean, they're punching up. (laughs) Jimmy Carter, can you please free my husband that you've never heard of and also lives in Mexico? Straight to the top. Straight to the top. Up next, we'll get into some of the murders that have been connected to Irville and how he continued to torment people from the grave. This episode is brought to you by Rakuten. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% cash back at hundreds of stores including headliners, Ulta, Ray-Ban, and Canon. Rakuten is how in-the-know shoppers get the best savings. They shop the brands they love and earn cash back on top of deals during Big Give Week, May 6th to May 13th. The cashback rates are even bigger. I'll be shopping for Adidas and Fenty. You can save on everything you need for summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of Big Give Week's 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. All right, let's get into the mysterious deaths connected to Ervil LeBaron. Let's start by saying Ervil LeBaron's name is connected to at least 20 murders. So we're just not going to be able to get through all of them. But here are a few. Naomi Chinoweth was a former follower and vocal critic of Ervil's leadership and had threatened to tell the police about Ervil's involvement in the Los Molinos attack. In January 1975, less than a month after the attack on Los Molinos, one of Irville's wives, called Vonda White, drove Naomi into the Mexican desert and she was never seen again. According to the book, Prophet of Blood, the untold story of Irville LeBaron and the Lambs of God, which is by Ben Bradley Jr. and Dale Van Atter, Vonda told a friend that she had shot and killed Naomi. And I believe them. I also believe them. A few months later, in June, Vonda White, who also sounds like a superhero yes, character, uh, really does. It's because it reminds me of 
WandaVision. Oh, uh, it reminds me of Reservoir Dogs. Well, there you go. It'll remind everybody of something then. So yes, a few months later in June, Vonda White did another hit. She killed Ervil's former bodyguard, who was considering leaving the sect. Ervil allegedly told Vonda to kill the bodyguard. Vonda was sentenced to seven years to life with the possibility of parole. At her 19th parole hearing in 2007, the parole board concluded that Vonda's actions were due to, quote, significant stress that was placed on her by none other than Ervil the Baron and also said that she, quote, may have been the victim of intimate partner battery. In 2008, Vonda White was finally released from prison. Ervil was even connected to the killing of one of his daughters, who was pregnant when she was killed. She was living near Dallas, and he reportedly had her killed because she, quote, hollered a lot and also had plans to leave the group. In May 1977, Ervil put a hit out on a leader of another polygamous offshoot. His name was Rulon Allred. And not only did he have an equally ridiculous name, he was a rival of Ervil's, a different type of polygamy, maybe. Ervil reportedly wanted Rulon dead because Ervil believed that his brother Verlin would attend Rulon's funeral. What in the godfather fuck is this? So Ervil planned to have Verlin killed at the ceremony. Oh, he's like, oh, so he's like, well, in order to get to my brother, I have to kill this guy because he's definitely going to be there. Yeah, so he's committing murder now to just bait people out of yeah. the woodwork so he can kill them as well. I mean, he's got away with it thus far, but not this time. The investigation into Rulon's death led authorities straight to Ervil's sect because of a gun box along with two wigs that were found near the scene. The gun was traced back to Ervil's youngest wife, called Rena. Another one of Ervil's wives told authorities that Ervil was planning to kill Verlin at Rulon's funeral. And remember, Ervil has 13 wives, so there's most likely going to be a little bit of dissent happening somewhere. 13 wives is a lot of wives to accidentally make one of them unhappy. Yeah, and this disgruntled wife also told authorities where the youngest wife the gun wife, was hiding out. On the day of Rulon's funeral, there was a heavy police presence, which reportedly stopped Ervil's followers from killing Verlin. Rena did go on trial for her part in the killing, but she was acquitted. Many years later, in 1992, she was found liable in a civil suit for Rulon's death, which resulted in a $52 million judgment for the Allred family. In May 1979, Ervil was finally arrested in Mexico and was extradited back to the US, where he was convicted of ordering Rulon's death. And then he was sentenced to life in prison. Just a few years later, in 1981, he was found dead in his cell of an apparent heart attack. He left a note that said, I've gone to meet my maker. He left behind 13 wives and 54 children pass. No, thank you. Yeah, no, thank you at all. I also wonder how he left a note behind if he died of a heart attack. Good question. Maybe he was like, hey, God, mm. could you really do me a solid? Anytime in the next five minutes would mm -hmm. be great. Ooh! And then it goes. Yeah, because I've just written this note and uh, <laughs> it's going to be really awkward if somebody finds it and I have not died of a heart attack. And if you thought that, I don't know, Ervil's heart attack was a bit interesting, bit suspect, Eerily, Verlin LeBaron died in a car accident the very same day 
that Irvil died in prison. That's weird. Makes me think of the silent twins when they leave Broadmoor mm, and yeah. then one of them just, their heart just stops out of nowhere. But the killings didn't stop because Irvil died. During his time in prison, he wrote a 500-page text that he called the Book of the New Covenant. And it was basically a hit list of his enemies. Reportedly, it ordered blood atonement for traitors. In the years after Irvil's death, about 30 other former Lamb of God members died under suspicious circumstances. It's like Tutankhamun's curse or something. Yeah. If he'd left a list of who mm. to kill. <laughs> and specifically asked people who would do anything that he said to kill them. Yes, then it is exactly like that. And then, on the 27th of June, 1988, at about 4pm, four murders took place that were connected to the group. Three of the victims had been mentioned across 15 pages of the book Irvil had written in prison. One of the victims was with his eight-year-old daughter, who was also killed. The victims had all left the Church of the Lamb of God to pursue their own religious beliefs. Six members of the Church of the Lamb of God were convicted for their roles in the killings, including several family members. How anyone is not a family member is the real question. True. So investigators have compared Erville LeBaron and his power over his followers to that of Charles Manson. But one investigator told the Washington Post that in the case of Erville LeBaron and his followers, quote, there are no drugs or drinking in their group. They are cold, sober people who believe in the rightness of their cause. And just a reminder that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints disavowed Irvin LeBaron and his sect decades ago. And he's no longer welcome at Rancho mm-hmm. Relaxo. Absolutely. They lost me at Sober. Get out. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Hannah Maguire. And I'm Saruti Bala. And we'll be back next week with another great episode. And we just wanted to mention that for today's episode, we referenced reporting by the LA Times, the BBC, Oxygen, the Salt Lake Tribune, Time Magazine, the Washington Post, and Desert News. We also referenced Joel LeBaron's daughter's website, ruthwarriner.com, where she's written about her family's history and has also written a memoir called The Sound of Gravel. Remember to follow Sinister Societies on Spotify to get a brand new episode every week. You can listen to this and all other episodes of Sinister Societies for free exclusively on Spotify. And if you like this show, you can follow at Parcast on Facebook and on Instagram. And if you're on Twitter, it's at Parcast Network. And if you fancy listening to me and Hannah talk about some other crimes, you can head on over to Red Handed and listen to that anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Coming up very, very soon, we have a horrifying case all the way from South Africa, where we're going to be talking about the Van Breda murders and a young man named Henry who murdered his entire family with an axe. So come check that out. There you go. The only thing I know how to say in Afrikaans is lekker, which means nice. And that's not what I should say there. Perfect. Well, save it for that episode. Okay, I'll learn some more Afrikaans (laughs) by then. So yeah, come check that out. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Sinister Societies is executive produced by Max Cutler and is a Spotify original from Parcast. It's produced by Kristen Acevedo, Gemma Waters and Tracy Levy. Sound design by Kristen Acevedo with associate sound design by Kevin McAlpine. Production assistance by Ron Shapiro. Research by Chelsea Wood 
and fact-checking by Cheyenne Lopez. And we're your hosts, Hannah Maguire and Saruti Bala. Hi, it's Carter, here to remind you that a very special evening with crime junkies Ashley Flowers and ParCast founder Max Cutler is just days away. It's an event celebrating the release of ParCast's first book, Colts, and you can be a part of it virtually on Spotify Live or in person. The evening will take place in Los Angeles on July 13th and feature discussions about the book, a live Q&A, and more. Plus, all ticket sales up to $125,000 will be matched by Max Cutler and donated to Season of Justice, a nonprofit founded by Ashley Flowers that provides financial resources to help solve cold cases and support families impacted by unsolved violent crimes. This has all the makings of being the true crime event of the year, so don't miss out. Register for your spot today at parcast.com slash cults. All attendees will receive a special signed copy of Parcast's new book, Cults. That's parcast.com slash cults to sign up today. <laughs> 